Footy Ado, the Delusional Soccer Podcast. Footy Ado, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. What do you want to talk about? Not what you want to talk about. Oh, okay. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about the Premier League, cowboy. Uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Listen, sometimes you're you're made to wear a cowboy hat, and sometimes it gets posted on social media, and sometimes you fight against it, but in this case, it doesn't work out. Yeehaw, baby. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Just getting the social media post ready for this episode. Oh, that's not good. Please do not post that. Uh, well, what are you talking about? It's already posted. Yeah, but I'm sure like, Thunder 106 New Jersey, um, or uh, at Thunder 106 NJ for any listeners who wants to see uh, the where the post is, um, have more followers than us. Yeah, they have seven. That's that was seen by potentially. Almost 8,000 people, Zach. Fuck. How many likes does it have? Um, I just gave it its 97th like. That's a damn shame. Hmm. It is a damn shame. Uh, I would have been better off just not telling anybody about it. Yeah, but... Nah, you gotta. Because... If someone found out about it... And, yeah. It, and then the the repercussions would have been... Yeah, you just gotta own it at this point. Obviously, um, this is not your energy, based on this photo. No, but not, not at all. Were you required to wear the hat? I want you to answer me honestly. Were you required to wear the hat? Like, would I have been fired if that hat didn't go on? Did someone put it on you, or did yes, you put it on? Someone put it on me. And you kept it on. And, well, listen, when the guy that put you, put you on air, on, on the radio has a hat on, and tells you to put the hat on so he can take a picture of you wearing a cowboy hat, you listen to him. Okay, so he he he, he put it on you for and a picture. to take a picture. took the picture. Like I did like not here. know that the picture was being taken. Right, He's, but okay. But that's that was why he gave you that. It was, so like, it was very much for the photo. It wasn't like, hey, put this on, and then you just got photographed in it. Yes. Um, later on. Okay. The only reason there's a smile on my face is because what's worse than a fucking... Kid wearing a, a cowboy hat with a smile on his face, me looking miserable, you know? So well, you gotta smile, yeah. I mean come on. Listen, there's there's worse things that could happen to people, but uh not not much worse, I don't think. I think that's probably just about at the top of everybody's list of things that they don't want to happen to them. And as you know, the young kids say, you hate to see it. Mm-hmm. But what you don't hate to see is a good old Manchester Derby where Pep finally loses at Old Trafford. Nice segue. Nice segue there. Um, a 2-0 win for Manchester United, who now are unbeaten in their last 10 in all competitions, seven wins and three draws. Um, and you could say that had Ederson not 
you know, played, made two <laughs> mistakes. Well, I would say not played, but then you re- you remember that Claudio Bravo is the uh, the replacement for him, right. so and it probably would have been worse. Get, but yeah, you get a shot on target with Claudio Bravo. Yeah, that's it's over. Yeah. So uh, Martial's goal, uh, a good finish, but Ederson should be dealing with it. And then the the McTominay goal in the ninety sixth minute was. Uh, just about as unacceptable as it could be. Now, to be fair to Ederson, he threw it nowhere near McTominay. But, to be fair to, <laughs> I guess, everyone else that's alive, he threw it nowhere near his target of uh, Benjamin Mendy. There's not... Yeah, I mean, game. the game's over. That I mean, they're, they're pushing for the... the the equalizer. They weren't getting it. No, they so weren't. It just, it just makes the... Uh... The old, the old score line a little bit. What do you think about uh, about Manchester United's form right now? They're looking it, good, man. They're looking good. Bruno uh, Fernandez looks like he could, um, you know, depending on where where things end up, and even regardless of it, might be the January. I mean, sign it could be the signing of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there have been players who have been on teams this year who have. Who've, really helped them out throughout the entire season but the fact that they were able to get them in january and now they're pushing hard for a european spot uh, i mean right now like they're so right now they're in champions league with the stuff going on with uh city obviously there's an appeal to be had and we'll see if that ends up standing uh so that's makes that makes this this fight for fourth and fifth kind of shaky because you there's so much uncertainty i feel like we're not going to know for sure mm-hmm. it's not going to be confirmed um, until probably after the season, um, but they're making a a scary push for for a guaranteed Champions League spot with with fourth place, uh, with staying behind um, Chelsea, close behind, and those those uh, those points they were able to take off them this year are gonna look huge if if that does happen. Yeah, and there's uh, there's. Something it's just something interesting going on at United with Solskjaer um, and how much better they've been as of late. You know, continuing to go with the back three with you know Harry Maguire in the center, uh, Lindelof and Luke Shaw as one of the center backs, um, and then it it makes room for Brandon Williams as a left wing back, Juan Basaka as the right wing back with a two man midfield. Fred is playing well right now. Um, but like you said, that the most important piece to the puzzle at Manchester United is Bruno Fernandes. If he signed in the summer like he should have, um, and I, I don't even say that from a standpoint from the player as much as I do from the club, um, it kind of unacceptable how they let that deal slip away towards the end, considering you know that he did sign in January, it was clear that both teams um, were willing to make the deal happen. Um, mm. But had he signed in the summer, I think that Manchester United would be comfortably in a Champions League spot right now. Yeah, he's he's been a difference maker. What uh, five games? He's contributed to five goals, three mm-hmm. assists, two goals. Um, and he's he seems to be their penalty taker now, which you know the, that was like a big thing for them at the beginning of the season. Oh, they're so bad at penalties. Yeah. Um. So he comes in and is already the go-to guy. Uh, for it, and I mean to go up against a team like Man City. Obviously, this isn't the Man City that 
Um, we've seen the past two seasons, Liverpool have sort of taken uh, the role of being the complete dominant side, but City have shown flashes of that brilliance all season. They're still a formidable side to go up against. Obviously, they they have some injuries. That, you know, De Bruyne is, uh, has missed the last two games. Um, but this is a big performance, uh, especially given given you know the position that they're in and you know the final stretch uh coming here for them uh that would this would have been you know speaking from a Chelsea standpoint as a team who has struggled but has somehow stayed um in that fourth spot Chelsea have started to put you know some fine performances together but and you know it kind of felt like going to this game after the Chelsea beat Everton it was like all right and man United play Man City so they're sure to drop points but Man City with, uh, you know, an even better performance to to stay, uh, to keep pace uh, for that spot. So it's going to be an exciting uh, final final nine games for both for both for that whole race. Yeah, I do think that the biggest focus for Man City in the summer has got to be in the in defense. Um, you know, we've had Fernandinho playing as a center back, and he hasn't really played as a midfielder. It, it's kind of to the point where. He's fully made that uh, made that transition from a defensive midfielder to a center back uh, late in his career here, and I think that the big focus for them has to be bringing in at least one big name center back um, because they need a partner. They need a a good partner for Amir Laporte, but they also need him to be healthy. And he was injured again in the Champions League, um, and he's gonna miss some time now. So it just, for a team that expects to be performing at the highest level, um, you know, they, to maintain the level that they've played at over the past two seasons, um, you know, at some point it was going to fade away. But um, there's no way to do that with the center-back partnership of Fernandinho and Nicolas Otamendi. Um, especially considering, you know, Joao Cancelo is, you know, he's a very good fullback, probably... He, they could probably do better. I think City have the ability to sign someone better there. But um, I don't think that's not a big focus. At left back, I think they do have a real problem. Um, I don't. I, I think that Sinchenko is going to be a decent player. I don't know that he's quite up to that Man City caliber. Um, and then Benjamin Mendy has been a waste of money since, since they brought him in. And... Uh, for City, nothing really is a waste of money. They could shred money, and it would still uh, not actually matter to the ownership group there. Um, but Mendy has not been healthy, and when he has been healthy, he really hasn't played all that well. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been out. He's missed so much time, and you, you wonder uh, what those injuries have done to, you know, just confidence in your own physical ability, and maybe, you know, they, it, could have, it, it could have a, a great effect on, on just... Truly, he he could be his confidence could be down for like he, you know, how do I say this? I he either it's either a confidence thing where he's not completely confident in his own body, or his body just isn't what it used to be a couple of years ago. Down to those injuries, he could have you know. So it it is as much a physical game. It is a mental game to yeah. to return from injuries and a player who's suffered injury after injury. It's it he's not. He's not at his best right now, and that's clear. And you're right that he, you know, he did reach a, a bigger level earlier in his career, 
And it's just about whether or not the injuries are going to keep him from getting back to that point because um, City spent a a fair bit of money on him. Yeah, and... They, they want that to work out, but I, I don't see him going into the next season as their number one choice. But also, talking about the City ban from the Champions League, it's not like, okay, they're not going to be in the Champions League next season. They'll still be able to persuade players to come there by giving them a little bit of extra money and saying, you know, you come in and next season will qualify because it's a two-year ban. It... I think they're going to have a little bit of trouble. So they might have to just get hope for the best out of the players they have. Not that they're not going to splash any money, but I don't think the biggest names that they would generally be uh, in line to to buy, I don't think they're going to be as attracted to this this club as they were uh, once before. Yeah, and it's more like, you know, it's easier to to convince a player, you know, especially with, I mean, they have a, a, a great project at Man City with Pep Guardiola at the helm. Let's, uh, you know, let's assume he's still going to be there. Um, you know, he said he will be. So that's, that's, um, you know, that's exciting for a player to, to, for the prospect of playing under a great manager like Pep Guardiola at a team as good as Manchester City, as good as they can be. Um, and, you know, you can maybe convince them, look, we're out of the like you know if a team finishes outside the Champions League spot one year you know which has happened with say like Chelsea and they've had to try and bring players in you got to convince them like hey come in here it's worth it we're building something here we're gonna get like you'll the players not thinking about just one year you think about a a, more, a couple years with a project so you're gonna be thinking okay well I go there now we'll get Champions League next year we're gonna fight for it and then we'll be back in it um, obviously it's less. Um, it's not as reassuring as getting a team that you're going into it and they already have Champions League. But with the City thing is, they're guaranteed to right now to miss two seasons of it. It's not about finishing in a, in a poor spot. It's it's a ban. So, like, you're going in there and it's like, I'm not, not only am I not going to have Champions League, I'm not going to have it next the, the, in the next two seasons. There's no guarantees that I have it the next two seasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's that's certainly, you know, one year you might still be able to convince a player, but two years for sure it's going to be even harder, even though uh, Pep is is your manager. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that they'll be able to fall back on is, you know, the fact that they will, in, in transfer negotiations and, you know, player contract negotiations of bringing in uh, – new talent, I, I think they will be able to say, we have no midweek football to worry about. We have, yeah, okay, we've got the Carabao Cup and we've got the, the FA Cup, but we have the depth um, for that. And, you know, it's it's not it's not a huge deal. Um, yeah. I you're think, almost, you're but, almost guaranteed to win the Carabao Cup if you go to Manchester Yeah, City. for real. They've won three in a row, four in the last five years. But without having Champions League football and presumably their real title rivals, you know, having those matches to play. You can say, come on in. If we can get you in, that's going to bring another player in, and we could go on and win the league. And in your first season, you got a Premier League title. Mm-hmm. We could do it. We could win another two two league titles in a row because we don't have the distraction of, and we don't have that hanging over us, the Champions League, and how, you know, that's kind of the trophy that, uh, it, the one that got away for Man City uh, up up until this point. 
Um, so they may be able to put that twist on it. It's just about uh, whether or not the players buy into it. Um, and, you know, we could also see player uh, players leaving. You know, there had been rumors already of Leroy Sané moving to Bayern Munich. Uh, poor, poorly timed injury um, uh, changed that completely. But um, it, a lot to pay attention to over the coming weeks. And hopefully the uh, that appeal is heard sooner rather than later so we can stop saying, well, if this right. is upheld, we want to know who gets the Champions League places. Um, yeah. Let's. Well, uh, I mean, if you. Well, I just want to say like yeah, one more dude, thing. Yeah, um, I mean, with the in regards to players leaving, you know, it, you feel like it could like it, it's very much a possibility. I think there's some players that are kind of like, you know, players like Leroy Sané, who, you know, even when they were healthy, weren't always Pep's favorite uh, choice for whatever reason. Um, kind of on the fringe, Gundogan hasn't always been like thriving in this team you feel like there's some players like sterling you feel like sterling is even if they don't have champions league sterling has benefited so much from playing under pep it'd be hard to see him leaving this this team uh regardless of what competitions they're in there's there's some players like that i feel like you know player bernardo silva is essentially going to be taking over for david silva in the, in the future you know i mean like Long term, like th- that, that sort of seems like he's thriving. Like there's players that are doing so well, you don't see them leaving. But there are other players like maybe Gundogan or, um, uh, I said it before, I, but I to- I'm blanking now. Um, Asana, you mentioned it. Yeah, like yeah. there are players that could. It's not worth it. Just playing under Pep is not worth it for them. Where some I think there are. Like, I agree with you there. Um. Well, and you know that's that's something that over the course of the summer we're going to pay attention to, and uh, and we will um, eventually have have a uh, a final decision there. But hopefully, like I said, it's sooner rather than later. Um, let's uh, pivot to the match at Stamford Bridge this weekend. Uh, Chelsea with a resounding win over Everton, a four nil win, two in the first half, two in the second half. It looked like it could be like seven or eight at some points in this game, especially early in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, good on Everton to not allow more than four goals, but a a bad performance um, from Carlo Ancelotti's side. But more so, a very very good uh, and comprehensive win for Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes we we kind of. Um forget to think about, you know, performance when a performance is so good. It sometimes performances can be very good to where they make the other team look bad. I think it was less of that. I think I think I mean Everton really didn't look good uh yesterday, but I think some of that was down to how well Chelsea were playing. Some of the one of the better performances, especially particularly at home from Chelsea um that I've seen in a long time. Uh you know, they're very clinical and it was just a lot of people involved. Uh, it was, yeah, it was just, a very, but like, I don't know how much of it is down to how great Chelsea were and how, how poor Everton was, because that was, it was a very rough performance from Everton who seemed to struggle sometimes. They, they struggle coming to Stamford Bridge. They, they do struggle. Best, they struggle against the big six very, yeah. very heavily. Yeah. But like some of, some of Chelsea's best performance, I think their best performance under Antonio Conte in uh, that title-winning season, was at home against Everton, a 5-0 thumping of Ronald Koeman's Everton. Um, 
and again, this one just a a a four nil. Everything just seemed to be clicking for for Chelsea against Ancelotti's side. Going back all the way to Ronald Koeman's Everton, you remember when Roberto Martinez almost had them in the Champions League? Yeah. It was Everton Arsenal at Goodison Park. Arsenal in fourth, Everton in fifth. Everton win, I think, like three nil and took them into the fourth spot, but uh, they struggled to to get across the finish line, and Arsenal finished in their uh, favorite spot um, just mm-hmm. a few years back. But uh, a lot has changed now, of course, with uh, Carlo Ancelotti in charge. Um, you know, they, they just... They They've looked, been showing S- signs Sidibe, recently, Sidibe too. had a bad game. Um, yeah. In my opinion, Gilfie Sigerson had a bad game. I, I He's kind of been inconsistent this year. He's looked a lot better under... Ancelotti, but still not yeah, doing. I mean, yeah. Everton doing as enough. a whole have looked pretty. We've talked about it on recent episodes about how Everton was like starting to look like they had lost to Arsenal, but mm-hmm. they they had some good form. Um, they they had looked uh, pretty good. The project was working. It just that's what that's what was so surprising about how poor this performance was. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, it a, yeah, goals yeah. from Pedro Mason Mount. Willian, Olivier Giroud. So you got a former Arsenal player and a future Arsenal player on the uh, on the score sheet, um, <laughs> with the the new rumors linking Willian to Arsenal. Right, his family wore red to the game. Oh God forbid, man. <laughs> There's something about like a, a post on social media that his wife posted or something like that. I haven't been able to actually find it. Yeah. Um, well, he likes living in London, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that were to happen. That would be the worst fucking deal. Pardon my French. Of all time, I'm kidding. The David Luiz deal was worse, um, but he'd be good for you. I don't know how much different it would have been if you just kept Awobi and sort of had him grow into that uh, that sort of role for you. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I was I was honestly very surprised by. I mean, uh, Chelsea, of course, they they came off a win against Liverpool in the cup. Um, with a very good performance, obviously against a weaker Liverpool side and a Liverpool side who had had been struggling of late. Um, but, it, you know, it was still a very fine performance. But Chelsea had some of those fine performances and then they would slip up, you know. Um, they had a big win, you know, and then they drew with Bournemouth. Uh, so, like, I was, I was still sort of concerned, especially with how Everton had been doing pretty well. Um, I was nervous, but... Uh, and, and especially with injuries, you know, our, our midfield was, it was, it was, we had Mount, Giroud, and Pedro up top, and the middle, the midfield consisted of, what, Barkley, uh, Gilmore, uh, I forget exactly how they were set The way up, it's listed like, on the Premier League website is a front three of William, Pedro, and Giroud, and a midfield three of Barkley, Mount, and Gilmore. Okay, so, okay. I, Gilmore, yeah, so. of course, at the base. What did you make of, of his performance? I thought he was very good. Now, of course, we're talking about an Everton team that pretty much did zero things well. But um, a, I think that's a, a performance from the young Scott. From the young Scott. Uh, from the, young, the young Scott. Is that a... Is that, really what I went with. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You said it. Scott Gilmore, the young Billy. Um, <laughs> just fucking... That's just, the... That's the thank you, you for listening to Footy Ado. You've done a great job. That's the name of the episode now. It was going to be something about you and a cowboy hat, but you might have, you might have fixed it. You might have changed it. Uh, um, I, I've... He's had some very exciting performances the past couple days. I mean, his Premier League debut wins Man of the Match... 
Now, I mean, he might not necessarily... He, he did very well. I think there are other arguments you could have had. I mean, William had two goal involvements. Barkley had uh, uh, some some excellent moments and was, was very good, you could argue. He was... He could have been uh, the man of the match. Uh, I believe he had two assists. I'm not sure if he assisted the William goal, but it's definitely an amazing pass for the the uh, Pedro goal. Um, so you could argue that Gilmore really wasn't the man of the match, and it could just be down to the you know you know a great performance from it from an 18 year old is just always exciting. Uh, but two that man always of the match boosts, performances that always boosts the uh, the thoughts on the player. You know, yeah, um, homegrown talent slotting into a spot where. Uh, Conte has has played so well for uh, a number of years. Um, Jorginho has has played very well this season, um, and Gilmore looked looked at home. Uh, yeah, in and, this match. And, and Jorginho, it comes at a good time because Jorginho is suspended. We have some midfield injuries, but you know you have to wonder um, if he continue if Gilmore can, has another excellent display in their next game. Does Jorginho? slot back in. I, I don't think that's the case. I think, I mean, because we're not just talking about, we're not just talking about good performances. We're talking about man of the match performances. Yeah. Um, and Chelsea look, have looked very, very good their past two performances with him playing. So, you know, the last time Jorginho played, it was a draw with Bournemouth. So then Gilmore comes in, we beat Liverpool and we beat Everton comprehensively. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing to see. Uh, I, I, yeah, I would, I would hesitate to take him out at this point. And he just thinks that he looks, uh, he looks so calm and collected. He looks like he, he you know, he's pointing around, um, dictating play very well. He's, he seems like a very smart player, but also a calm player and a player that his team, that his teammates trust. They, they're, they're passing the ball to him in dangerous areas because they, they trust him, which. For an eighteen-year-old, that's that's pretty that's pretty incredible. So um, I'm excited to see what he what he uh, brings moving forward. I mean, he's he's not a very he's very tiny, so you know he could get bossed physically um, if if teams decide to try to exploit him. But it hasn't happened yet, so I'm 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 interested to see how he he fares uh, in this final run-in. Now moving on to a, a another London club as the focus. Spurs uh, only picked up a point on the road against Burnley at Turf Moor. Uh, Chris Wood scored in the thirteenth minute. They went into the uh, second. Or they went into halftime with a lead, um, a one 0 lead. Um, it was a, they would have at that point they were ahead of Spurs in the table. I know, I know. Was, was, and they would have uh, they would have finished ahead of them, but it was a a Dele Alley penalty um, that gave Spurs the equalizer in, in the 50th minute. Um, but the big focus on this game was the post-game comments from Jose Mourinho. Yeah, um, really? You don't it, say. It, in the first half, he's gone full Mourinho. You've never said that And, and he's expedited to that fair, process. I yeah, I haven't, heard the, I haven't heard the comments. This is my first time hearing them. So he says, in the first half, we didn't have a midfield. Of course, I'm not speaking of Skip. Because he's a kid of 19 who's played two hours in the last few days. I don't criticize him at all. But I'm not going to run away. And I have to say he, and he's referring to Spurs record signing, signing uh, Tenge Ndombele. 
Uh, he has had enough time to come to a different level. I know the Premier League is difficult, and some players take a long time to adapt to a different league. But a player with his potential have to give a a player with his potential has to give us more than he is giving us, especially when you see how Lucas, Lacelso, and those players are playing. I was expecting more in the first half from him. Um, but he, there have been many examples of that. You know, speaking of players in their first season struggling, he's a player with great talent. He has to know he has to do much better, and I know I cannot keep giving him opportunities to play because the team is much more important. Mm. Not the review you would like to hear from your manager. And of course it makes it so much worse because it's not like Mourinho bought him. He was brought in under Pochettino this summer. Um, But like I said, Mourinho has expedited going full Mourinho, he usually waits a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's he's doing it right in the first season. What do you make of those comments, now that you've heard him for the first time? Yeah, um, well, I mean, those are, those are, they're harsh. They're, they're very harsh comments. And, you know, I, I, I think it's one of those things where you, but you have to just kind of wait and see. Because some players um, benefit from those type of comments. Some don't. It's, it's all about your. It's all about man management, and you know, we've criticized Mourinho's um, style, managerial style in this game as uh, in the present day, um, past couple seasons, and whether or not he is he still fit to the modern game. Um, but you know, in his in his career, he's he's been pretty. You know, he's been pretty good with with man management. Um, you know, there's, there's some players that he, with, with certain players, there's some players that he inexplicably freezes out and just doesn't use. Um, but there's some players that just really love playing under him. And even, you know, and I'm sure there's different, there's the different Mourinho that we don't see all the time behind the scenes. Um, so I think it's just one of those things we'll have to see if in, in Dombele it rises to that challenge from his manager. Um, and obviously if not, those comments are going to look even worse because right now they don't look good. It's it's very easy to fold as a player after hearing that from your manager. It is. Um, I listen, if I heard that from my manager at my current job, I would probably wear a cowboy hat. Mm. Well, this didn't go the way he thought. It it did not. And I am going to throw a nice switcheroo in, and we're going to go to Anfield now uh, for Liverpool's comeback win against Bournemouth. I'm just going to ignore what you've said. Um, yeah, uh, Liverpool went down again um, in the ninth minute via Callum Wilson. At this point, you're like, they they really doing this? Yeah, they they really bad. Like, are bad? Liverpool equal bad? Liverpool now equal Norwich first game of season? So, uh, but Mohamed Salah with a goal assisted by Sadio Mane in the 24th minute, and then Sadio Mane scores himself in the 33rd, assisted by Big Verge. Um, and that's all the scoring that takes place. Goes 2-1 into the break and finishes that way. Uh, Mo Salah with the man of the match. But what do you make of Liverpool having to come back? Yet again. Yet again, especially they... against a team like this at at Anfield, yeah, I mean, there's there's still those signs that we that we've seen all season, but they've been able. I mean, 
aside from the Watford game, they've bounced back and been able to, uh, you know, come back from any sort of deficit that they faced. Um, I think it was important that they they got those goals before halftime. It could have been pretty nervy had had they gone into the break down again. Then you then you have the, it's a it's a totally different team talk for your manager. You're starting to question whether or not you know the, you know like you can pull this one out because. It didn't work last time. You know, it's been working for you all season, but maybe the magic is sort of gone uh, in your current form. Uh, but they get those goals, they come back, and then it's it's smooth sailing for them. Uh, so, I mean, once you go down against Liverpool, it's a hard team to, to come back. And even if you're up on them, as they've showed so many times, it's, it's, it's hard to hold that lead, which is why the Watford thing was just so surprising. Um, but you know they struggle to get that result. That's going to be a big result for them going forward. I think a couple. Of, I, I predict their next couple Premier League matches are going to be more comprehensive victories. What do you think um, about their upcoming match in the Champions League with the second leg against Atletico Madrid coming this week? Um, the, I mean, two two one comeback. It might just be what the doctor ordered. I, I I'm confident that they're going to still go through and. They're at Anfield, right? Yep. So, so I I like their I like their chances. All right. Um, let's uh, move on to a London derby that took place at the Emirates. Arsenal beat West Ham one nil in what was otherwise a boring game, but Arsenal actually saved by VAR on this one. Um, it was Aubameyang who took a shot outside the box, deflected into the path of Ozil. He headed it across the face of goal and Lacazette scored. And then the flag went up after the ball had hit the back of the net. Um, And it goes to VAR. And it seemed like they were trying to find any possible way for the goal to be offside. Um, But after about two and a half minutes, of which the first replay you could see that Ozil was actually onside, um, the goal finally was allowed and put on the board and... That was all the scoring, a very anticlimactic way to score uh, to score a goal in a 1-0 game. Um, but who cares about the match-going fans anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, look, once the coronavirus spreads, they're not going to even be able to see the games. That's true. So when when it goes to a VAR check, there's not even going to be anyone to moan about it. Yeah. I, well, honestly, I, I was surprised. I, so I didn't see this game. I didn't know there was VAR involved. I was surprised that we didn't even discuss VAR um, in the Manchester Derby. Um, I was like, oh, maybe we're just not talking about it anymore because we're over it and it sucks. Um, if it had played... Aguero, I mean, Aguero... I, the base on the picture I saw, Aguero scored. Um, and according to the, the image, the part that was offside was a part you cannot score with. It was like his shoulder. They keep it's the, it was another one of the armpit calls, Ugh. and I think of course. But then the people were talking about because I think De Gea stopped, which doesn't matter. No, it stopped. doesn't. But that um, that's up to the to the ref. The ref shouldn't put the flag up. They've been yeah. told not to. But even when the ref has put the flag up um, before the goal was scored, that happened in um, your favorite fixture. Arsenal Manchester United earlier in the season at Old Trafford, um, Aubameyang scored and he was about forty five feet onside, and the ref still put the flag up before the play had played out. De Gea kind of stopped, 
Aubameyang scored, and they still allowed the goal anyway. So I don't, I don't. Are you supposed to play the whistle? Or are you supposed to play the flag? I I don't know what mindset the players are supposed to be in. All I do know is that the players clearly don't know what to do. Um, and think about that. Think about going. This is their job. Their job is to play this sport, and they are not clear. There's not one player out there that is clear 100% on the rules of the sport, the way it's being officiated right now. How can that, how can we allow that to continue to happen? I know. It's awful. It's just, and what's crazy, what's crazy about it too is it's being implemented in other places at a far more efficient oh, rate. Oh, it's, it's so much it's, better. That's what it's, it's, it's like the Bundesliga is using it quite well. Um, it's just not working right now, and it's got it. It's down. It's crazy that um, something that's essentially designed um, to get rid of human error in officiating in the game is struggling so much in a league because of human error, because it's being used improperly. It's. I mean, it's. It's baffling, and uh, it's the they have the FA has a has a big summer ahead of them in regards to fixing it. And they they might have a summer off. You know, we might see uh, either Euros being played behind closed doors or not at all because of the coronavirus fears. So at that point, the FA they need to focus on one thing, and they need to focus on fixing this damn problem that we have to have talked about a million times so far, but it's just what needs to happen. Yeah. It's, it's completely unacceptable at this point. Um, looking ahead this week, uh, this week you will hear an edition of footy Ado European nights. Um, that's because we have some good champions league action this week. Um, both Liverpool and Spurs play this week. Um, so, Look for me to be speaking with a guest, hopefully uh, of Liverpool knowledge. Um, that that pod should probably be out either Thursday or Friday. But uh, Liverpool go up against Atletico Madrid on Wednesday. Um, Tottenham play RB Leipzig in Germany tomorrow. Um, and of course, those kickoffs are a little bit later than usual, considering... Uh, we have gone to daylight savings in the U.S. We have switched the clocks um, three weeks earlier than the rest of the world has. So uh, those matches take place at 4 o'clock instead of 3 o'clock on the East Coast. Is that all you have to say about that? or it's Why, like, why are we doing it, man? I don't care. <laughs> I just want it to be light out late at, later in the day. That's all I want. Keep it this way. And in six months, let's not switch the clocks. There's no reason to do it. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Footy You Do. All right? Sure. That, rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Subscribe, rate, review. You know? Yeah, words. Um, words. They're difficult. Do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Footy Ado. Um, I actually meant that. That was not part of me getting mad at time zones. I did mean that I wanted you to follow us on Twitter. Um, 
Like I said, there will be a Footy Adieu European Nights later this week. But all of your Premier League nonsense has been covered. Jared, as always, pardon our French.